I remember uh, Dickie White always walking, like moving real slow. I can never understand why he always walked to and from his boat, loading, unloading, like like in slow motion. But now, now that I've been clamming and I'm getting older, and I'm kind of probably at the age where I was, he was when I was watching him. Now I can understand because I, I try to like move like Dickie White. My name is David Maxson. I am 54 years old, and I am Richard Maxson's brother. Right now, I'm digging hard clams overboard with a short handle rake and on sandbars and anywhere where uh, where the water's low enough where I can walk around. Overboard hard clamming. That's what, what I'm doing like right now. How did you get started clamming? Well, I, I, only, I only go clamming because Dad and Pop did it. And, you know, because I was born into it, they got me started doing it. You know, taking us out when we were little. My grandfather and my father. Take one. Maxi's Taxi interviews and sound portraits of people you've never heard of. Richard Maxson here, known to some as Dickie Maxson, and with this podcast I'll be bringing you interviews and stories of people that you probably have never heard of. Today's episode is with my little brother Davey Maxson, just 18 months younger than me. This episode is rated R, as there is frequent use of the F-word, plus there is some banter of a scatological nature. In plain terms, human poo is discussed at one point. So let's get down to business and talk about the business of downtown Highlands, which, as everybody knows, is clamming. Like, I remember the first time I, I caught clams thick. It was right in front of the clubhouse. You know that feeling, like, when you revile and you... And the, the mud goes away and you see like a sidewalk of clams, like you get happy, right? Well, I remember clamming a couple summers with uh, and Patrick going, or Uncle Patrick, and both of us not catching a lot, like putting a whole drill in and catching a pack or a half a pack. And then uh, one day he he like yelled and he looked, called me over and he said, look, my net's full. And he held his net up. And I said, well, what'd you do? He's like, it's the re-rile. He said, it's the re-rile. We were re-riling wrong. That's why you weren't catching a lot, because the clams were were remaining buried. He's like, you got to do it real violently. You got to like all your might. You got to. You know, I did it all my might. I, he goes, I tried to break them, and he said, and, and look, and he, and he scooped up like a bushel out of a drill. Wow. So I'm like, all right, I'll try. So I put a drill in, and he's like, hard, Dave, hard, all your all your strength. You know, you're stronger than me. Go ahead, come on. So I did it. I just violently shook him up, re-riled him as hard as I could. And that was, that was it. And from then on, both of us started catching clams. Like, we went from catching, like, a, you know, a half a pack, a half a bushel all day to catching, like, you know, two, three, four bushels. That was the turning point, you know. Do you remember how old you were? Or do you remember uh, where it was? I was I was 13, and uh, I was uh, probably in a dike. Another thing I remember uh, was the turning point was you agreeing to split the catch with me. And, or, and any anybody I went with, like from one point on, when I started, probably when I started catching more than you, or whoever, you know, dad or whoever, whoever I was with, always, they always agreed. All of a sudden, they started agreeing to, let's just split the catch. I don't remember ever splitting with you. 
Yeah, yeah, we did. I remember the opposite. Yeah. I remember keeping our clams separate. Yeah, we did up till up till I started catching more than you, and then and then I was like, well, you know, let's just split the catch. It'll be easier to keep track of, and for at least a summer or two, anything we caught, we just split. Then one day I was sitting there like wondering why all of a sudden he's willing to go halves with me. And I'm like, well, you, you know, I'm catching more and faster. So that's why. So you thought you were catching, you, you, to I'm this like, day. Once again, duped, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't care, you know. Yeah, but, yeah, but suppose, I don't, my memory is not that you were faster. I, I was like puffed up, you know, in my ego. Like, wow, I, you know, he's willing to split the clams with me because yeah. I never could catch as many. So, you know. Now, just to be clear, David is talking about soft-shell clamming, which is an almost lost art form for various reasons. But when we were little boys and our father and grandfather took us out to clam, we were hunting soft-shell clams, the clam we call a steamer, because that's how you cook them. So just briefly describe how you even catch soft clams. You uh, take a churn hoe, a tool called a churn hoe, and you put it in the ground, in the water, and you start moving it up and down uh, fast. And the handle of it's on your shoulder, and the, the blade of the hoe is digging the hole. And as you move it up and down, the motion of it uh, digs a hole. And then you just slowly walk backwards and make the hole bigger, longer. As so, you so you're digging a trench, basically. Yeah, you're, you're walking backwards. I wouldn't say walking backwards, like stepping backwards. like Yeah, yeah very slowly moving backwards <laughs> and digging a hole until you have a 20 to 30, 40 foot trench. And then you turn around. That, and that you, we call a drill. It's called a drill, yeah. And then you turn around and you uh, repeat the same thing in reverse. You go back over the hole, but a lot faster, and the dirt is loose. So what's left is the clams that you have dug up that were there. They're buoyant, soft clams. They're float, they float. So mm -hmm. they float to the top of the trench. And then you take your net, and you just scoop them up and put them in your basket. Right. But then you have to call them, yeah, go through them and pick out broken ones, shells, rocks, anything that's not a clam. All right, so some. Of the, what about the colors? we got to talk about some of the colors that we had. Colors of, yeah, we had the kids, younger guys, calling clams for us. Gary Banks, Kenny, a couple of Eddie Egan, a couple of the local guys. Hey, yeah, we used to pay them, what, a dollar a bushel? Call our clams, right? It was a dollar at the end. They'd yeah. come on a boat and call the clams, yeah. So what about uh, Kenny Parquet? Uh, Kenny Parquet. I remember him just being uh, like super slow, like talking like really slow. And then he used to eat clams. He used to open the raw clams up, and just eat them, and just like right on the boat. You know, I remember that about him. But uh, yeah, I remember liking him. You know, him you know, just being like this sad, kind of sad, skinny little kid. You know. Do you remember any stories with the colors at all? I remember one that I still talk about. Gary Banks was, um, I was mad at him for something. I don't know what, but he kept, uh, he kept telling me, fuck you for something. He got mad and he's like, fuck you. And I, and I got so mad. I said to Gary, I said to him, Gary, I said, you say, fuck you one more time. I'm throwing you overboard. And I don't know what time of year it had to be summer. I guess, you know, it was always like warm weather, but it might've been like chilly or I remember it being rainy that day or misty, chilly and drizzly maybe. And he had his clothes on. And, uh, I said, well, you say that one more time, say fuck you again. And I'm throwing you overboard. And he 
looked me right in the eye and said, fuck you. So I went, <laughs> grabbed him, picked him up, <laughs> threw him right over in the water, overboard. And uh, <laughs> I think Eddie was there, his cousin Eddie. And, and Eddie was just laughing, like, at him. He couldn't, like, couldn't believe I did it. And then he was just, like, dying laughing. <laughs> and then I remember Eddie, like, the whole week, like, the next week or two, every time. He, Hey, Gary, like, even the next few months, the next whatever, every time Gary would see Eddie, Eddie would come up, and Gary and me were there. Hey, remember that day he threw you overboard for saying, well, he said, F you one more time? Yeah, it was just funny. Just picked him up and threw him right overboard. And then didn't he throw Michael Pippitz overboard, too, one time? <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember that, but I remember Michael used to get, um, used to get weed sent up from his brother from Florida. And in the morning, I would meet him. I'd go over to his house earlier, and I'd bring him his like cupcakes and buy his lunch. And he would, you know, either smoke with me or give me, a, you know, give me some. And uh, <laughs> I remember though the argument we had about hiring him. Like I would, I it had to be him, because like, <laughs> he had all this good weed. Yeah, I, yeah. I wanted him, just him. And you're like, well, why, why he's, you know, he's late or he did the, I don't, you know, he fucked up. But I want to give another guy for some reason, you know. But I was like, it had to. Had, Gotta be Mike, man. Mike, he's the greatest. He's a member of Don. you like all this, yeah. making up all this stuff about him. And all I wanted was, yeah, yeah, was his, his weed. His weed yeah, yeah. But I, and I'm trying to like keep the hiring process like fair and square. Yeah. The fix was in. He used to tell me, uh, I got another uh, another letter from my brother. And I knew what was with the letter. Yeah. He'd be all smiles. Come, you know, come over early tomorrow. I'd go over, man. Dick, you know, and he'd open the bag up and I'd be like, Oh boy, I'm like, you're, you know, let's go. <laughs> I remember dad talking about, like, <laughs> the, the, the like, day we took Pete Nestoff. Well, I remember him saying, Telling the story about like Pete came up to him funny. and just asked him like point blank, Dickie, you'll take me clamming, right? And yeah. Dad and Dad was like, <laughs> I remember that in the parking lot. I was there. He, he went up to him. He said, Hey Dick, my boat's broke down. I'm going with you, right? <laughs> I can go with you, right? Something just exactly like that. What was well, 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 sure, Pete. <laughs> That's what Dad told the story for just for today. For today, yeah, sure, Pete, you can go with us. We'll take you. Acting like like no sweat, right? Yeah, but, uh, but you can see his face, you know. <laughs> humming, humming, yeah, humming. And then, humming. like, watching him, like, just tried the way it was funny, just watching him try to talk to Pete without, you know, getting like, him mad, you like, know. Like, that trying to be patient would, would be, yeah. like, a lot of fun to watch. <laughs> like, Pete, Pete was, like, the double, triple alpha male of the boat. Right, right. But Dad, it's Dad's boat, and here I am there, even, you know, Dad didn't even like me being there. But you know? don't forget how impatient Dad is, like, like, like in general, with everything, yeah. And uh, it was funny watching Dad trying to trying to keep Pete like still and stable in the boat. Yeah. And the, the funny part, like the whole dynamic of Dad trying to give Pete orders, you know, like being afraid of him and, and uh, not wanting to get him mad. But Pete was like 350, 400 pounds, so he had to remain like in the middle of the boat. And, and dad was trying to keep him keep him like from standing up from, 
No shifting. I remember Dick, I remember him saying, Pete, just do me one favor. Don't shift. Please tell me before you're going to move over. <laughs> when you go grab a basket, just tell me. That's all. Just tell me. You, you can do what you want, but just tell me, please. Yeah, yeah. Dad was like afraid to raise his voice to him, you know, and get him mad because, you know, yeah. Pete, Pete could knock him out in one punch. Well, everybody was afraid of Pete, wasn't they? And even I got nervous, man. Dick, when, when Pete would move, he was so big and so heavy. You know, <laughs> serious. Like I'm watching him move, and I'm I'm keeping an eye on him because the first couple of times he leaned over, he would just lean over, and the whole boat would almost tip over. So, like, if you saw him leaning one way, could you like run to the other side of the boat? <laughs> and then, and then, at the end of the day, after we called up, me having more clams than than uh, my father. And he didn't really care. He was kind of glad. I guess he was proud that I caught more and his son caught more than him. Yeah. But I could see Pete's face like when he when he saw I had like seven and he had like six and a half or something. Yeah. I didn't beat him by much, but I, I had the most. I was high man of the boat. And I, he did not like that. <laughs> like, because my father was like, oh, you got the most. You ended up with seven? You know, I, I only got six. What'd you get, Pete? Uh, five and a half. Or, you know, like, I remember him grumbling. <laughs> And here's what else we did. When, when we when we uh, went to the mother boat, I remember Dad suggesting or trying to get Pete to, or the mother boat to take Pete home along with the plane <laughs> so he wouldn't have to ride home in a boat with us. <laughs> All right, so listen, let's talk about some of the old-time clamors that we remember. Okay. And uh, who can you remember? I remember uh, Dickie White always walking like moving real slow i can never understand why he always walked to and from his boat loading unloading like like in slow motion you're right like you're you're 100 right he always moves slow yeah well you I know remember. what else i realized though about about uh, dicky white too was that he talked slow too when you when he had a conversation like and he and he reminded me of like like an old uh like an old cowboy or something and if you never noticed uh, his son, Bobby White, if you ever have a conversation with him, how he talks, he has that like slur, like slow talk, slowness to his talk, just like his father. Kind of funny. It almost sounds like hillbilly-ish, you know? Mm. Like, but they're both, you know, very, I guess, I know Bobby is very intelligent. You know, he always did real good in school, you know? But I can never understand, like, why Dickie White always walked, moved, like, at, like in slow motion. But now, now that I've been clamming and I'm getting older, and I'm kind of probably at the age where I was, he was when I was watching him. Now I can understand because I sometimes I actually, I actually think of him when I slow down. Yeah. And instead of like hustling and walk, trying to go fast and move quickly, I try to like move like Dicky White, like like slow down, just walk slow. I don't have to hurry. You like know? slow and deliberate. Yep, if the tide just get there and do it slow, and, and I always try to remember that slow is safer, you know. I remember Joe White, like Joe White kind of had the reputation of being like maybe the best clamor, the best soft clamor. I don't remember that. Well, he was always the first one out. He always came in a little bit earlier, but he always had a full load, but he was always the first one out. Matter of fact, he's the first one I remember using um, mm -hmm. lights to go out at night so that he could be start like right at daybreak. Uh, all right. And he yeah. had like a little clamp on He'd light. He'd be out there before sunrise. Yeah, yeah. Right. So they had like a little clamp on light put on the front, a right. little clamp light for the back. And he always, he was one of the guys that always had the most, all right? 
Yeah, he always he I never, remember didn't Mickey, have the most. Mickey, Mickey Johnson always catching the most. Yeah, Mickey. Yeah, but Mickey worked the hardest. He'd get out there and he worked the longest. Like that was my memory. And he worked hard. Remember how hard he worked. Yeah. Remember how fast he would like um, yeah. churn. Yeah. And also, you remember about Mickey? You remember what he used to say when we would show up every summer, like our first day, second day. Chiquita, Chiquita. Just yelling, like yelling stuff. Well, he was always yelling. He was always hollering. Oh, because we were summertime. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Remember that? He'd say, must be summertime. The Maxons are out. Must be summertime. <laughs> and we'd act like we thought it was funny. And we'd be like, ha, 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 He was really insulting us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and then he'd be singing. He'd also sing out. Times are easy. Yeah. Summertime. Easy pickings. Summertime clamors. Yeah. But, um, but anyway, he was the hardest worker, I thought. Worked like, like a bull. Well, I remember and Mickey yelling stuff, anything, like at everybody. Just like always yelling funny stuff at people. Yeah. You know, about people's wives and, you know, all right, Bill, you know, your wife's putting on weight. There's enough of her for all of us, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah. But um, you also had old, all the Matthews. Remember the Matthews? Uh, remember how Andrew? Andrew and his sons, Randy and uh, Philip and Wendy. Right. And even Jeanette would go out. Yeah, and uh, so the whole remember they had a big boat. They had like a family yeah. boat, old clan. Yeah, and the, yeah, the whole clan would go out together. Right, and they always had good equipment because Andrew always bought the equipment. I remember that long wooden boat they used to have. Yeah, yeah, they actually used it as a mothership sometimes. And then yeah. um, one other story I do remember is Harry Parker. Yeah, one time I took a uh, a bite of my egg sandwich. I was driving the boat, and he was sitting there watching me. I'm, I'm driving a boat and I'm eating my egg sandwich. And I took a, <laughs> I took a bite of it, and that the yolk, uh, it was cold out. It was winter time, and the yolk uh, squirted out of the sandwich onto my waders. Yeah, and it was like a dark yellow. <laughs> Harry saw me, saw that, and he thought the uh, motor, something happened to the motor, and it was oil squirting out of it. <laughs> and he got all panicky and he, what, what, what the fuck, what is that? Couldn't believe it, like how much yolk he thought it was oil. And he's, well, what the fuck's wrong? What's something happened to the motor? What is that? What all? I said, Harry, it's my sandwich. And he's like, what? What? What do you mean your sandwich? So I took a bite of my sandwich, and the yolk squirted out. It's not, not the motors are right. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Then never forget that. What about when you pull a bolt out of your bag, and Harry'd be amazed that you'd have a bolt, like in your little magic bag? Oh, that red bag I had. Yeah. He used to mumble that whenever I pulled something out of there, he, he would mumble like, "Oh, well, you got every fucking thing in that bag. What do you what What do you got in there? Wait, you got Dave? That kid's got everything in that bag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He got everything in that fucking bag. Everything." What yeah, but he would tell people like he'd tell me, he'd be like, "Your brother, we broke down. He had a little bolt like this. Yeah, he had he had a bolt in his bag, yeah. just the one we needed." So, um, what other clamors you remember? That were distinctive. Buddy. Oh, Bud McCluskey, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Remember him the first time, uh, first boat he, he got when he decided to go clamming, that little blue speedboat? <laughs> no, but I can imagine. <laughs> what was that like? It was like a little blue, like, hydroplane, like, racing boat. And uh, his thinking was that he he's only fast. Well, he's not catching a lot. He's only catching two or three or four bushels. And he could fit them, and he'd get there faster. And he could have fun while he's, you know. Yeah. Going and coming, you know, because the boat did like 60 miles an hour. <laughs> and uh, the funny part, I was trying to, I was trying to convince him to get a clam boat, to get a work boat. 
You know, it'd be better. You know, right. get rid of the speedboat for his next the next year. Then I don't know how or why or when he when he switched, but he got rid of that and he got like a clam boat. But then when he got the clam boat, like he went all out and it was like the perfect clam boat. Yeah, well he always put a lot of time into his equipment. Yeah, well I remember the most thing I remember about Bud, whenever we went to buy something together, equipment, a tool, whatever, boots, whatever it was. Right? If we were buying the same thing, we'd go in the store and he would ask the, the, the person helping us, waiting on us, for the best and the most expensive. And I would ask for the cheapest <laughs> and the least expensive. Yeah. And I would usually buy either the, the cheapest or something close to it. But never would I ever even consider ever buying the best or the most expensive because it was usually two to three to four times more than, than the cheapest. But Bud would always, without ever, no matter what we did, no matter where we go, always bought the best and the, the most expensive. I'm trying to save money, and he's like, "I want, I want a good, I want it to last." You know, usually, okay, six months, eight months, two months later, two years later, whatever, whatever we bought, okay, mine would be either gone or broken or, or falling apart, and he he would say, he would look at me and say, "Remember, remember, where's yours?" And he would smile. And say, I still got mine, or I still got this, or it works even better now. And he would be like, so Dave, I paid uh, twice as much for mine, and it lasted four times as long. He goes, so you got the better deal, you know, he would like laugh at me. And, and I'm thinking, I know it's better to buy the better one. And the next time we're in the store, I'm always remembering all this, and I know it's better. But I, somehow I couldn't buy the best to do that. I couldn't do that. I just couldn't. So I was always buying cheap junk, and I would always end up usually paying for it, breaking it. But he would always have his two, three, four years later, you know, I still got mine, you know. Yeah. You remember the the uh the churn hoe handle he made? He made it out of uh, handlebars? Yes I do. Showed no, up I with, the dike. with the curled handlebars. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I never worked though, did it? No, not good. But he used a pair of ten speed handlebars on his churn hoe. And I think like the day before he didn't have a handle. All of a sudden he gets a handle and he He's like, I'm going to use handlebars. Yeah, I remember that. But here's the other funny thing about him. And it, this is a this is a true story. And has no exaggeration. Okay, the way that guy would eat. One day we bought a, a sub at the Parrot. Right? Submarine sandwich. And we each bought a whole sub. Okay? And this is not, I'm not exaggerating. All right? Three blocks, four blocks away, right? To his house. Mm -hmm. We were going to go to his house and eat. All right? We got to his house. And we went inside, and I had my bag to open it up. And I said, where's your sub? And he had eaten a whole sub from the, from the parrot, like a five-minute drive. <laughs> I, and, he, and I saw him, and I thought he, I said, oh, I thought you took a couple bites. I saw you take a bite. And I, I didn't realize that he had eaten a whole sub three or four blocks from the parrot to his head. He was so hungry, I guess. Because I said, where's your sub? I ate it. And I, when did you eat I said, when did you eat it? What do you mean you ate it? The whole thing, I said, I could not believe it. And the other thing is we, we'd go to, to the hot dog guy, and I would get two or three hot dogs. He would get like five or seven, right? right? And he would take a hot dog, shove it in his mouth in like one bite, right? Maybe two bites, okay? Go to McDonald's, he would get three Big Macs, and he would eat one, the first one in two bites, the second one in like three or four bites, and then he would, you know, eat the third one a little slower. But he would eat three Big Macs before I was done with one, I could not believe it. And these are true stories. I'm not exaggerating. Yeah, but how come he was always, like, he must have had some metabolism because 
It was, was always, always thin, yeah. Real thin, yeah. man. All right, the last thing about him, right, is this I got to tell, right? I think Aaron was with us, the school teacher, and we were on his boat, and we were out driving his boat around. I don't know if we were clamming that day, but I think we were just partying, drinking. And uh, Aaron took off her top and was going topless, laying on the deck on the back, you know, just laying there while Bud's driving the boat. So Bud sees her topless, and he, and he strips down completely naked. He's driving. <laughs> it was funny, man. He's driving the boat around, standing up, butt ass naked, and he's real dark tan brown with a white ass, you know, big shitty grin on his face, standing up, driving the boat, laughing. You know, it's July, all right, and there's boats everywhere, you know. Bud's just driving around, butt ass naked. She's laying in the back with her, you know, her, her, with big, big breasts hanging out, you know. And I'm, and I'm like just there, you know. I got my bathing suit on. I didn't get naked, but I'm just sitting there, like, looking at them both, just laughing. Funny. What kind of boat was it? Never forget that. It was a, uh, it was his open boat, like his 18 foot, uh, like an aqua sport or something. But it was open. We'd had the console with the steering wheel, yeah. so he was like up in full view, you know, not like not caring at all about you know anybody what anybody else thought about him and her being you know naked. But then again, we'd go to the nude beach too, and he would be like stripped right down, walking around, you know. No, like no modesty at all. <laughs> Funny. Alright, so uh, you used to tread hard clams with the Franklins. Both of us, I don't know if you remember, but we used to tread hard clams at night, and Johnny Franklin's father would drive us to Atlantic Highlands, to the hill, Atlantic Highlands Hills, where like the cliffs were. And he would take, I guess, anywhere between five, six, seven, eight of us in his station wagon and drop us all off. And all we had was our onion sacks. And I guess pick us up two, three, four hours later, whatever. And we would go down the hill, down the cliff, into the water, tread, you know, dig hard clams with our hands and feet, bring them up. You know, at, at the pickup point, he would pick us up a few hours later. You remember that? Yeah. Yeah, I had a nickname. They, my nickname was Chowder because they used to make fun of me. Because you kept everything. Yeah, I kept everything. Yeah. And they used to say, it ain't worth carrying them up the hill and it ain't worth, yeah. you're only getting five cents for them. And, and I couldn't bear to throw them away. Yeah. So I'd be like, I'd throw everything in the bag. But uh, <laughs> I, I can remember always being competitive too. Like, you know, yeah. who caught, the, who treaded the most hard clams? Johnny used to always, always, I remember him usually always being high. Having more than anyone. Okay, so more clamming explication might be in order here. Again, for those of you who are not lucky enough to grow up in downtown Highlands, treading means digging hard clams out of the river bottom using only your bare feet to find and loosen the clams, which are usually 80 or 90% buried in the sand or the mud. Then you simply dunk underwater to fetch the little nuggets of wealth with your hands. What I also remember is um, treading hard clams like when we were older. I remember a couple of days making $400 in a day. That was by Winmore. Winmore, yeah, yeah, exactly. That was when you uh, had, what's your name? Wait, uh, Joe Ray. Joe Ray, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, my girlfriend yeah. from grad school, and she made a lot of money that summer too. So what, what was that, just like a hot spot? That was just that whole that whole stretch. That's just seated. That was, that was for that summer, 
And the next summer, probably two or three years, you could go in there and get get a lot of clams. I used to go there at night by myself many times. Yeah. So you know, everyone went to that spot. I know it. So you'd make four hundred dollars in a day. I remember doing that, and that was became like the norm, three or four hundred a day. I also remember um, delaying going back to college one summer for a week because we had like really good clamming at the end of the summer. And I remember I photocopied my check. It was for like twelve hundred eighty dollars. And, uh, and I showed it to everybody at school. Like, you know, this is why I didn't come to school last week, you guys. Yeah. Well, I remember, though, sometimes making 700 900 once in a while, you know, 1100 $800, whatever. But I remember if I got a, anything over six, seven, eight hundred dollars $800, I would, like, take the next two, three, four days off. Just go partying. So my next week would be, like, <laughs> 270 or two days pay or one day's pay or four days pay, you know. You know, I remember I remember one time getting like a like a nine hundred seventy dollar paycheck, and I remember this in particular because I remember thinking we almost we almost made a thousand. I remember you. Maybe that was a week you had eleven hundred or something. But I remember you you had a little more than me, but I had like very close, almost a thousand. We both made each, and I remember thinking, wow, thousand dollars. You know, and this is like you said, eighty what nineteen eighty seventy nine eighty one or something. All right, go like two grand, three grand now. Yeah, and I was like, wow, I got $1,000. What I can do with this? And I remember uh, <laughs> that was Tuesday we got paid, right? And then, uh, but I remember uh, going off that night, still having seven or $800, and not showing up until uh, the following Monday. And I remember I had $4 left. And I, and I, I asked you to lend me $10 or $5 or something. I asked you for 10 to buy lunch or to buy something with, cigarettes and lunch or something. And I remember you saying, look, turn your head. <laughs> what? You, you, and you were like, because you, you knew how much money I made. You knew I, because I was like, wow, 970. You know, you saw my paycheck. Yeah, yeah. And you could not believe, comprehend anybody, you know, never, not just me, but anyone having that much money. And then and you were like, how many days ago was that? That was just. You couldn't you couldn't believe it that, that I had no money after having nine hundred and seventy dollars in my hand, you know, five days, six days earlier or whatever. And they're like, Hey, what'd you do with all that money? I never you know, I remember you never mind, never mind. I don't I don't care, I don't care. So right, and then I remember you saying, I'll give you five here. But that's all I hear and I remember you like real mad handed it to me. Don't ask me for any more, you know, that's it. Or I want it back Tuesday, you know. I was like, Oh man. All right, so anyway, any more of the old times, Rick Parmesan? All I remember really about Rick was him buying, just buying all our clams, you know. You don't remember how hard he used to clam when he would clam? I remember him being like one of the heavy hitters, being a high man when he went out, you know, long handling. Yeah. You know, I wasn't doing that. I was still bootlegging. He was, all he did for me was buy my clams. Okay. You know, and we, we like did a lot of partying, you know, a lot of partying. Like we used to go, me and Danny would go over and get him and we'd go out. We go, you know, we do some all night, all nighters. I remember a couple of nights going on his boat, going out, just mainly just to party. And like we didn't even really care about the clam, but we were just hanging out and partying. And he said, "Ah, let's go on the boat. It's low tide." We all went over and all night long doing, you know, the whole tide, like four or five hours, and uh, just all night. Like I remember doing this a couple of times with him. We go and we tread clams all night. You know, <laughs> Throw him in his boat, like in a, you know, at daylight, 
when we had to stop. And uh, we go, you know, we don't go back. He parked the boat. We'd all go our separate ways. And then, like, I, we, me and Danny would call him up later. We'd want to get, go get the clans and get the money. And he's like, fuck it. If I leave him there, I don't, you know, let him die. I don't care. He'd be, like, sleeping, you know. He didn't want to get up. And uh, me and Danny are like, we, you know, we need the money. We, you know, we want to get our clams, sell them, and go, you know, do the next night. It'd be, like, $300 laying in the boat. So you and Danny would go get it? Yeah, me and Danny would go to the boat. He'd be like, I don't give a fuck. Take them. I don't care. I don't want them, you know. He would just be out for the fun, you know, hanging out, partying, you know, drinking, whatever we're doing. He didn't care about, you know, a couple hundred dollars. So me and Danny would go get the clams, you know, sell them to someone else. One funny thing I, I remember about Rick, right, was that we um, went and sold him some clams, went to his house, knocked on his door. He told us, asked us how many clams there are. We told him. He paid us. All right, we put all, he said, put all the bags in my, in my thing, in my uh, cooler in the back. And we did. And we unloaded uh, all the clams. He paid us. And we all went up to Skeeter's house to play poker. All right, about five, six hours later, it was about nine, ten at night. We're sitting around drinking, playing poker, you know, with the money we had from the clams. And we hear a knock on the door. And uh, Skeeter answers it, comes back. It's Rick. He wants to talk to us. I'm like, who, uh, who? You're all of us, you know, whoever, whoever sold him clams and he doesn't look happy. So we, <laughs> so we go out and uh, Rick starts like, all right, I want to know who gave me the fucking buttons. Who gave me the small clams? There's one bag that are, that are fucking buttons. They're, they're, I, can't, I can't sell them for 10 cents, they're worthless. You know, you guys, you know, you fucking robbed me. You know, he was like mad as hell. So he's like, He's like, all of them are no good. I don't want any of them, but this, I want to know who sold me this bag. So me and Bud go out. Bud was there. We go out in the driveway, and he goes, I'll go get the small ones. I'll show them to you. I'll show them to you. I'll bring them to you. I'll prove it. I brought them. And he, and he goes and gets a bag of clams. And it's about three or four or 500 clams, you know, a big a red onion sack full of clams. And he comes walking down the driveway, and he's like, who's it is? Who, who's fucking clam? Whose bag is this? Bud says, oh, they're, they're mine. They're, that, they're not, and he's saying, oh, they're nice. That, that, that's primo stuff, Rick. No, it ain't, you motherfucker. They're, they're beans. I can't say. He throws them at Bud <laughs> through the air. 70, I don't know how many pounds that bag weighed, Dick, but he threw it like it was a beach ball. <laughs> throws it at Bud, and, and Bud, and right at him in his chest, and he catches it. He staggers back, like hits you know, a tree, bounces off a car or something. And he's, oh, man. <laughs> you can have him here and he throw and Bud was like ready to walk up to get him and he Rick just threw him and Bud was like and he you know about maybe 15 10 15 feet away it wasn't that far but it was funny that he catches the bag and almost knocks him over he hits a tree you know yeah, that's because Rick was like he didn't want to drop the clams and break them you know so he's like oh then here's what Rick said he's like after he's done screaming he's like take your clams and go sell them to fucking Jimmy White Take him down and sell him to the fucking mayor. He'll buy him. That was Jimmy White. <laughs> you know. Only in Highlands, right? And uh, I remember taking him and selling him to Jimmy. And they, like, he bought them all. And I remember like us just going to him and telling him they're a little small. And he like dropped the price two or three cents or yeah. whatever, and he bought them. You know? Remember how easy going Jimmy always Funny. was? Like, you know, always soft-spoken. Yeah. You know, and uh, always wanted more clams. Always wanted more clams. Yeah. Never get enough, really, for Jimmy. 
Yeah, he was making money on him. Yeah. Hey, I got to tell us about Jimmy, though. All right, Ronnie Waters was uh, knocking on his door one morning with a bag of clams to sell him. And he kept uh, trying to get Jimmy to come down. And he wouldn't stop saying how nice they were, nice stuff. And he kept, like, trying to get Jimmy to, uh, like, induce Jimmy into, like, you know, coming down. Because Jimmy said, oh, I'll come back in an hour or something. But Jim, Jim, you know, I, I want to get rid of him. I need the money. And it's real nice stuff. Jim, this this is nice stuff I got. Real yeah. nice. So, and, and uh, this is what Billy said. Jimmy's son was there when he actually bought the clams. And Ronnie was still going on about how nice they were. And the last thing Ronnie said to him when he was buying them, giving them the money, ain't they nice stuff, Jim? Jim, ain't they nice? They're real nice stuff, aren't they? Ain't it? And Jimmy looked up at him and said, well, if they're so nice, why don't you take them home and keep them as pets? <laughs> and Billy said, <laughs> like, you never forgot that. Yeah, yeah. You remember any of the old, other old, real old-timers that were working? Uh, I remember a lot. Oh, the Kendricks brothers. Kendricks, yeah, but they didn't work when we were working. Yeah. Oh, they did? Yeah, they did. I remember that. Yeah. I, they, I remember watching them clam and, and go clamming when I was when I was young. Maybe probably before me and you started clamming. But I remember seeing those two, you know, together, you know, working. And to me, like, it, when they were, like, in their 60s and 70s, I guess, they looked like they were, like, you know, I was like, how the hell could they go clam and yeah. how old they are, you know? But I was, you know, probably seven, eight, nine. And then you remember uh, John, old Johnny Siminski? Mm -hmm. He was another old-timer. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember Skippy, when Skippy got out of jail. And, I like, my job, that was my first clamming job, was calling for him. Like, 19, I don't know, 70-something. Was that when uh, Nana Seller? When, when they used to, uh, him and dad used to bring the clams in? No, that's when we were real little. Oh, Pop used to, I guess, then, right? No, dad used to bring them to Nana's house, and we'd call them in the driveway. In the cellar. In the driveway. In the cellar, yeah. When it was cold out or rain, and we'd go yeah. in the cellar, right? We'd have to help call, yeah. Yeah, yeah. the column boards. That, remember yeah. we had the I remember that. Remember dad had the column boards set up, of course, like super efficient, like with the multi-levels for the baskets. Like yeah. you'd have one basket set up for an adult to call. Then you have another basket set up for a kid, like with the basket yeah. raised up. Yep. And I remember him uh, calling into the half bushels. Yeah, yeah. And getting yelled at for breaking them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then when we got, yeah, that's when we were real little. And I also yeah. remember one time calling clams, or a couple times calling clams on the hood of his car. How old were we, like four, five, six? No, we were probably seven or eight or ten, you know. But I remember I didn't like it too much. <laughs> I was not happy about having to do it, you know. Yeah, I didn't either because he didn't pay us. Yeah. Remember, uh, Dad also uh, with the double and triple bottom baskets. He used to put false bottoms, oh, so extra yeah. extra bottoms on the wooden bushels to reinforce them. No, yeah, to reinforce them, but but also to make it, but make yeah, the basket to make it less shallow. space. The bushel would fill up, you know, less clams to fill up the bushel. And I remember when he did it the first time to reinforce it. And he, I remember a couple bushels. He would add a third one to it. You know, no. Yeah, he put a third bottom in it. Yeah, I gotta ask him about that because mm -hmm. I don't, I don't remember that. I remember because I remember he would spend more time on his baskets and like he would yeah. take time and reinforce. Everything. Well, he started yeah. reinforcing them. Then when he realized it was taking up space, he put a third bottom in it. Yeah, I remember someone picking it up. And, what the fuck is a triple bottom basket? But he's carried away with that, and it, then it, and I think they even made a comment about huh, less clams to fill it up too, or something. What like who did that? Jimmy Worth or somebody? I don't, I don't remember. It was a broken basket. Finally, had had broken. It was laying there, and someone couldn't believe it, it was three. So, like the bottom of it, was three about, of them, like yeah. two inches. Yeah, about like about this thick. 
Anyway, I'm surprised he didn't go. He'll, with he'll a, probably deny it. Go with a fourth bottle. Do you remember Jimmy Worth and running the plant and everything? Yeah. Here's what I remember. My most vivid memory is Jimmy hollered at us one time because I guess we brought small clams in. Remember how he was always hollering, young Jimmy? And he yeah. turned. He, yeah. he turned around to walk away, and he was he was like he was so thick and everything, you know, big thick neck and everything. And you grabbed your crotch, <laughs> and you started going like this behind him. Behind his back, like, right? like yeah, yeah. of course, yeah. behind his back, and you were like mimicking him, and you were like. In the meantime, I'm over there shitting a brick, thinking like, "What if he sees him? Exactly. Yeah. Or what if the old man sees us from the window? Or what if someone sees us from up on the bridge? Or like anybody in town?" Sells him, man. Yeah, yeah. And I thought that's yeah. the end of us. I'm like, he's gonna get me killed. And I'm like, and like for like, I'm like, Dave, 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 stop. And I remember like, you know, like you'd always do that. Like you'd always do whatever was anti-authority. Like as soon as they turned their back or something. Yeah. And and I, like one of these, like yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. Fuck you. Or like, like, like when, not only this, but you'd be like, when they couldn't see me, like you were like a conductor or something, you know. <laughs> yeah. And I'd be like, and I'd be like grabbing you, Dave, stop, man, stop. You know, I'd be like the voice of reason. You, know, like, you were like, you were like the, uh, what do you call it, the id? Yeah. And I was like the whatever, you know, the yeah. the, the moderating influence. Yeah. So speaking of which, you remember our partnership? Like when I come home every summer. Remember, we had like a routine for a few years. Yeah. You were good enough to like let me live with you. You know, I think I paid you a little bit of rent or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, but you remember we were like stuck with each other. Like, remember clamming? So, what was, what was, what do you remember that partnership being like? Just like some days not being able to, like, I can't wait to get to the dock. Just to like, <laughs> you know, get out of the boat, get, you know. away, get away from me. Yeah. And then, uh, Oh, the mornings. Sometimes the mornings. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I would have to uh, sneak off and have twenty minutes, half hour, ten, even ten minutes somewhere to smoke a joint, and I had to like get that in somehow. Like all I remember is like having to wait for you for what I thought were normal things. Like you had to go to Katz's. <laughs> like you get up, you had to go to Katz's, get your coffee. You weren't moving fast. Then you'd come home. Then you'd have the paper. Then you had to go to the bathroom, take a crap. And like, I remember thinking, like, you know, they were the longest craps I've ever seen anybody take because I was anxious to go. And I remember, like, that was like our constant That'd chronic. Like reading the newspaper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, like, in my mind, like, the cash register's going, you know, like, we're losing this much money if we lose this much time, or whatever. And I remember, like, every day, like, that was our chronic argument, you know. And every, I remember every day thinking, I'm going to get my own motor next summer. I'm going to get my own motor next summer, my own boat. And every year we were stuck with each other for whatever reason. Hey. All right, this is like my funniest memory. You remember the time when we um, we were working somewhere out in the, in the Pleasure Bay, and uh, you took that dump that lasted for like two weeks, <laughs> and we used it as a marker, like to like remember hey. where we were. <laughs> remember, it was like a yeah, but not not two weeks though. <laughs> the next day we went back and we we found the uh, we found the offending turd. Yeah. I mean, that's how we found the, the spot, like the next day or maybe two days or something. I thought like three or four there. days. But it's it like <laughs> it stayed like it, it was so heavy. It was so dense. Yeah, but it was a, co- a couple of days, not a couple of weeks, though. <laughs> There's no way a turd could stay, sit there. Now. But I remember that, though. Like, like the tide didn't move it. I remember, though, the it first day. It didn't disintegrate. It just <laughs> sat there like a, like a sash weight. I remember, though, the first day, the next morning. I remember you saying, oh, there's, we're at the same spot. There's your turd. You were like, <laughs> you were like, it's an end of that drill. I remember that's, it's got to be it. 
And I, I was like, oh, okay. And then, and then you were, I remember now that you were saying it's, it's, uh, it can't be, we can't use this, you know, it can't be, we can't use it again. And the next day it was like still there. <laughs> and I remember now a couple days we watched it like slowly, like, you know, the third or fourth day or whatever. You know, finally it, broke, it finally broke. Where's up. your turd, you know? But do you remember a couple times though, taking a crap, one guy would like go down and start crapping and it, and it, it would come floating by the other guy. <laughs> You, know, I, you would tell a guy, "Listen, you get mad. You, you know, you get mad. And say yeah, you're yeah. gonna shit. Make sure you go on the opposite side of the top, whichever way the tide's going. Yeah, go down tide. Yeah. But I used to do it on purpose, man. I used to go up tide. <laughs> and like discreetly pull my pants down because you know you crouch in the water up to your neck. And like, like let one. It was like a torpedo. I remember a couple of times doing that and having, knowing I had diarrhea and knowing it was gonna just spread out. <laughs> I can get like go all around you. <laughs> I remember doing well. I remember one time doing the same thing with the diarrhea, but it was like a slack tide. <laughs> so, Dave, all of a sudden, did you try to get away with it, sneak it? Because I used to do that. Yeah, know, like man. try to sneak off and act like you know, like I, like what? What? Well, no, it wasn't me. You know? Well, I thought it was gonna run, you know, but I didn't realize it was slack tide. All of a sudden, everything came floating up like right around me. So, like I was surrounded by my own diarrhea, and I like I didn't want to move, you know. <laughs> not for not dick but are we on we're getting close to the end of this yeah 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 yeah. we'll just do a couple more questions man i'm getting like real tired don't it right yeah. you want to I'm all, yeah i'm at the end of this all right all thank, I, thanks for the time dude right. talk to you later man so that's it for this episode of maxi's taxi interviews of people you've probably never heard of we'll visit with my brother again at some point and he'll talk more about his adventures with friends like Buddy McCluskey, Ronnie Vance, the Palm Brothers, and who knows who else. But the very next episode will be with my frenemy and kindergarten nemesis, Linda Giovia, who grew up on South Bay Avenue by the town beach under the Highlands Bridge. More than half a century later, Linda is still griping me, and I hope you'll listen in to our interview. Special thanks as always to the people who guided me towards this podcast, Mrs. Maureen Keeler, Dr. Bob Cole, Dr. Gerald Flannery, the great Studs Turkle, Ira Glass and his retinue at This American Life. And for this particular episode, my little brother David. I love you with all of my heart, brother. All right, the last thing, this I got to tell. Erin took off her top and was going topless, laying on the deck in the back, you know, just laying there while Bud's driving the boat. So Bud sees her topless and he, and he strips down completely naked. And he's driving, <laughs> he's driving the boat around, with a, standing up, Butt ass naked, and he's real dark tan brown with a white ass. No, like no modesty at all. You know, and big shit eating grin on his face, laughing. You know, funny. <laughs>